0: Welcome to weartechnology.com's user friendly 2.0 with
1: host Bill Sickens, technology architect. And this is User Friendly 2.0. I'm your host Bill Sickens with me Jeremy and Gretchen. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hello there. So, just got back from the Emerald City Comic Con. We're going to be talking about that a little later in the show, but boy was that an adventure. Got a lot to tell you about the event. We're going to have some interviews coming up in some future week shows here on some different kind of very unique things that we saw. But this one, I think the travel was also an experience. So we're going to talk about that a little bit too. Uh And what happens when one picks the wrong hotel? Uh Um, We've A lot of sci-fi folk listened, have heard about the Bates Motel. I think Mm. we found one that's worse. Anyway, we'll get to that in that segment. <laughs> Coming right up here uh, on that. Send <laughs> us your questions and your comments. We really want to hear from you. 5037666264. And 5037666264. You think I'd know that off the top of my head by now? One user friendly on Facebook and Twitter, userfriendlyshow.com. These are all places for you to send us what you would like us to talk about. And from that, we build out. What we put on the show here. We're going to be talking a little bit later about wearable tech and how that's evolving. And then we have a guest this week, and I'll introduce him when the time comes. So without any further ado, what do we have in the news this week? Well, apparently, scanning students' home during remote testing is unconstitutional, a judge says. So You know, it was only a matter of time before that got to court, and I'm a Mm -hmm. little surprised it actually took this long. This is a judge in Ohio. He's saying that room scans could form a slippery slope to more illegal searches as violation of the Fourth Amendment. And this has been something that we've talked about on the school front since remote learning really kind of became a thing because of the pandemic. They have needed a way, and it is legitimate to make sure that students aren't cheating on a test. But the way that they're doing it, apparently, from what they're saying here, is a no-go going forward and what they would do is use a camera either the built-in webcam or in some cases they would provide equipment specifically for this that would scan the room and then in some cases watch you while you're testing this would be required to take the test but it is considered an invasion of privacy and you know the next step on this too is with a lot of people working remotely i know there's a move right now to get everybody back into the office but with a lot of people working remotely and this being something that's going to be around i think in some you know way forever they're requiring cameras on that too. So the employers can watch the employee work. Oh, that's so is that an invasion. Yeah. yeah. You know, yes, I, I, that, I, I think that's an just, invasion. Yeah. Now I know as a freelancer through sites like Elance, which became Upwork and others, they have a system in place like this. They've had it long before COVID where what it would do is while you're working every minute, it would take a picture. And this was to prove that you were actually at your computer. It would also count the keystrokes on the keyboard and all that kind of stuff. Again, a system for uh, keeping the programmer honest, I suppose. Okay. But
0: this reminds me of an employer that I had at one point who was insane. And so a personality like that would
1: really probably take this to an excess, to an abusive point. I could, you know, I could see that happening. I think the judge agrees with you here. So we'll keep on top of this and see where this ends up going and how they're going to figure out how to keep the tests honest but at the same time, not watch you.
0: Hmm. Congress admits UFOs are not man-made <laughs> and says threats increasing exponentially. <laughs> really? I don't understand
1: I'm, the threats part. Sh- well, I'm not sure why man-made is in quotes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, th- okay, this is always an interesting thing. We've talked about Project Blue Book <laughs> and a number of other things on the, on the show here, and yes. that these kind of uh, situations have been of a concern. There's, Of course, there's the whole conspiracy theory side of this. But then there's the government. Now, a new budget for America's intelligence services has uh, actually directed the Pentagon to focus its UFO investigation on those objects that it can't identify. So they're starting to take this stuff seriously. And uh, man-made being, in quotes, kind of gives an idea of, well, where is this stuff coming from, you know? And, of course, there's the school of thought that uh, these are off-world aliens from other planets. Uh, There's the school of thought that these are you know, made on Earth somewhere, but are not supposed to be in space above us, like maybe a foreign power spine or something. Mm. Mm-hmm. And whatever the uh, the deal is here, the Pentagon's referring to this as the cross-domain transmedium. So there's our word of the day.
0: Yay! Cross what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> cross-domain transmedium.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. NASA released an audio clip of a black hole, and
1: I've heard it, and it's pretty spooky. (laughs) We're going to let you hear it, and uh, here it goes. OK, so, yeah, that was pretty spooky. <laughs> uh-huh. um, I, the first time I listened to that, it's like, OK, and you know what? This is actual sound. So, yeah, the general con, so, uh, you know, the general idea is that there's no um, sound in space, which generally is true. But in a black hole or at least this one, there's enough gas that there actually is the ability to have sound. So this isn't even simulated. This is NASA saying this is what it actually would sound like if you were there and listening to it. I don't think you'd be really focused on that because the being crushed part would probably take away from the uh, presentation just a little bit.
2: Just a little bit,
1: but it is but you know, definitely something that is, uh, you know.
0: Sound is made from vibrations, so I'm having a hard time thinking that you have to have oxygen to to
1: have no, sound. You absolutely I mean, do not have to have oxygen. You, as long as there's something that can vibrate against, so some kind of air or some substance. In the case, in this case, it's it's gas. Gases in the in the black hole. Okay. Hmm. All right. This one makes no sense to me, but you'll explain this. A-D-P-P-A. Yes. I I made sure, Gretchen, you didn't get this one because I know how much you love your acronyms, you know? And uh, (laughs) so this is actually a house bill. It's called the American Data Privacy and Protection Act. Aha. And um, the idea about this is, is it's designed to give you more control over information collected about you by businesses online. And it's just been submitted. It's got a long ways to go before it would become law. But this is something that Europe, the European Union's doing. And some states are starting to go in this direction. But right now on a federal level, your big companies, Apple, Amazon, Google, Meta, really don't have any comprehensive federal data privacy law, which gives us very minimal protections, especially compared to other nations like we just mentioned. And if this passes, that would change that. That would actually put some rules in place. I think that a lot of people are asking for something like this and have been for a while because you got to figure all of the tech around us does collect a lot of information. Information is quite valuable, so it motivates collecting more information. But even things like apps on your phone, uh, I know Google, and they do disclose. They're not trying to hide it or anything, but at the end of the month, I get an email and I opt to participate in this. It says, look back at what you did the last month. And every trip I took, every location is on that. And uh, it's actually quite accurate. Not 100%, but I would say 90. So it's kind of cool for me because I can go back five years to a day and see exactly what I was doing. But if you don't want that, (laughs) or if you don't know what's happening...
0: That could yeah. be a bad
1: thing. And there's really no rules on this or very little. I know is inaccurate. There is, but not to the extent that it needs what to be.
0: What if you have a problem with a stalker or an abusive relative or something like that? Right. You know?
1: So I can, I can understand. Done, yeah, I can understand too. If it's done right, they shouldn't have access to it. But we all know things get hacked or someone could get your phone and look back. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're right. There's all kinds of things, ways that this could really be abused. Okay.
0: Movie Pass is coming back
1: well there you are Mm -hmm. this went away in 2019 and uh they said that it didn't work at all however they're bringing it back on labor day interesting opened the early signups this week now as to the particulars on what it is it is ten dollars a month that's a lower price it'll uh or that's what it was allowed users to see one movie per day so we're going to have to see where this goes. The problem with it was that the theaters didn't really jump onto this. So what it became was like a gift card where Pass was actually paying the admission price. So when someone would go in and see a movie, they would be paying full price, just not through the normal means. So that, and you know, a movie is seven, eight, 10, 12 bucks if you do IMAX. I don't think this covered that. But even if you figure the cheap uh, seats, that after two movies will exceed the monthly rate. Mm -hmm. and that was their fundamental problem. So we'll have to uh, see where this goes. I know the new version is going to have different price tiers ranging from $10 to $30. I haven't been able to find out yet how many movies the user will be able to see each month on what tier. I mean, we'll find that out, obviously, but it looks like a new system, new management, and I think if they could make this be successful, it has its place, but really, at the end of the day, it has to make sense for them to do it, and it originally didn't. And one other thing I'd like to talk about here, we talk about wearable tech. What about implanted tech? They have a Tesla owner that's implanted a chip in his hand to open the car door. Actually, two: One side opens the door. The other side is a health monitor. I guess that would be the ultimate way to make sure you don't lose your keys. Yeah, <laughs> it would. So uh, we'll have to check that out. I might see if I can figure out who this is and get an interview. See what happens. Got a great show coming up for you this week. This is User Friendly 2.0, and we'll be back after the break. Have
0: you seen him? He's from the future. He's got a really big computer. And he uses it, uses it every day. And he uses it, uses it in every way. What's he using for? You know I'm not that sure because he uses
1: computer technology. Welcome back. This is User Friendly 2.0. Well, Emerald City Comic Con this year has come and gone. We had a great time for the most part. The event itself was great. We're going to touch upon that in a second. But I think first, just because it's really relevant this time, we're going to talk about the experience of getting there and staying there. So we drove because of all the flight problems. It was a little bit easier. Now I'm in Oregon. Jeremy and Gretchen, you're in Nevada. So you certainly had the longer drive there. And I know you got to drive through Nevada. You got to drive through California and Oregon. You're saying that was okay. But when you went over we that had, next border. Yeah, well, we had a really great rental
0: car. I was, yeah. we, we we lucked out. Great car to drive, really comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, you would have liked it because of all the tech, which I think you kind of did. Yeah, I, then, did, I did. It was, <laughs> we're
1: going to throw it out there. It was a Mazda CX-5, and I was really impressed. I uh, don't know a lot about Mazda, but in this case, it was a nice mix of tech and, and just regular stuff. It was comfortable. It was comfortable, so for, yeah. You know, a rental car that was kind of fun to have because you don't always get that however the comfort ended when we pulled into the hotel
0: yeah um but yeah, that, you know, was pre- uh, that was that was prelimed by the fact that um the drive up uh, there was like these weird traffic jams it started in yeah. portland and then kind of throughout the entire state of washington and you know i used to live in
1: washington and i don't remember the traffic being that bad it wasn't that it heavy. was in random spot like in yeah. the middle of nowhere spots not where you, you yeah know, in the middle of Seattle, okay, you're gonna have traffic there, it yeah, wasn't exactly. so bad. Yeah. But in yeah. the area where it was, you know, normally just you go right through, it was stop and start. It was start really and, uh, strange. Yeah. So and uh, then the, know, other, so, yeah, the, the
0: other th- disconcerting thing was the um I think somebody needs to have a conversation with uh, Washington's um I don't know who, who takes care of cleaning up the trash along the roads. Yeah, that I, was that's a sad thing. That's another Washington thing. Washington is a beautiful gorgeous state and i've never seen so much garbage and trash and graffiti oh there was graffiti all over seattle and seattle was is like this beautiful gorgeous city i mean for a big city it was always so pristine and beautiful and that was one of the tough things and then like
1: you said yeah. we arrived at the weird hotel yeah, <laughs> and that was i tell you <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, and, and like everything pretty much on the show, this is our opinion. So we preempt with that. But uh, Ramada uh, was the was the brand. Now, their hotels, for the most part, if not all, are independently owned and operated. And then you license to use the name. And uh, in this particular case, it was just something where you do want to read the reviews. Now, the other interesting thing about it is is what we encountered here, we normally book our hotels for events three months or more out. Uh, number one, you get a better rate. But at that time, the reviews weren't as bad as they are now. You go on now, and it's just the same experience we had. The place was filthy dirty. Yeah. It was loud. They were having a wedding. The noise for that went until like 1 a.m. or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, even later. You get in there, the, the, the check-in desk, they had all of the COVID shields up, which that's pretty normal. But there was graffiti all over the bases of them. There were these signs with price quotes for, you know, this is $15 and that's $30 and you will have a deposit of this amount, just very unwelcoming kind of a feeling from there. But more than all of that was just the fact that the whole facility needed the deep clean. I mean, uh, you the swimming yeah. pool, I would not have swum in that I, unless I wanted a disease. I mean, you know, and then the oddest thing to me was on the last day, there was this burned out pile of rubbish right next to the main entrance of the hotel. Yeah, that uh, was just a little bit strange. I have a picture of it on my Twitter feed, Sickensw at Sickensw. If you want to take a look, but my goodness! So I'm working yeah, with the right now. It was creepy. <laughs> I'm curious about the the uh boarded up building next door that like was a yeah, restaurant Yeah, that was the other thing. It was that attached. was obviously a restaurant. They were attached.
0: And, uh, there was a a yeah. walk
1: bridge over there and it's like,
0: what are you what are you guys doing? Why are you attached to this burned out, closed out building? And then there was the well, signs about restaurant. no you, hookers, you know, and I'm like, yeah, Oh yeah, no my, where did we go? You know, <laughs> no
1: it's like, okay, you know, we kinda of picked the wrong part of town here. The interesting thing <laughs> is if you look at the pictures on hotels.com, which is where I booked it. The, it does not show this at all. It shows a clean, nice place. The restaurant next door is still there. Um, it certainly isn't boarded up. So anyway, so check into these things. Very important. But let's move yeah. on to the actual event. And again, Emerald City is always a fun one. They had a little less this time. We didn't see the Star Trek exper- or Star Wars experience, rather, uh, which I kind of missed because that was always a lot of fun. But they did have the huge amount of vendors and Artist Alley and all the rest mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, I think it was and very we met some well nice people. We really did. Yeah. Yeah. So no, we met so, some great people, and we're, we're going to be having those interviews. Instead of doing them all today, we're going to uh, do them over the next uh, couple of weeks here and uh, give you an idea of some of the things that we ran into. We did find our favorite miniature maker, and another one that I thought was kind of really cool, that's focusing on Native American lore. Yeah, and, yeah that's, uh, that's a specialty
0: that, thing. That was yeah. pretty cool, I and mean, he got some nice, nice detail
1: in his figures. So we'll have to take some pictures of those too. Yeah, Definitely a very interesting idea. I still think, you know, I know this is a bigger one and obviously space is a concern, but I do miss having the celebrity stuff in the same building as the rest of the comic con. It is uh, Mm -hmm. definitely Mm. does feel a little bit disconnected, but you know, you only can fit what you can fit. There are physics of things and I get that the uh, panels were over here and that area was definitely set up. And uh, one thing that I would say is the topics of the panels this time seem very narrow in some ways. Uh, in, yeah. in other words, very focused to a specific audience. I do think bringing back some of the more just kind of broad fun stuff would be kind of cool. Yeah. Eh, you, know, you know, just, just,
0: opinion, I, I, but, I just uh, kind of, I would find topics that sounded interesting. And then there was, uh, and then I read the description is like, Oh, well, that's not really for me. You know, yeah, I felt, yeah, and it just, you, you know, know.
1: <laughs> but, um, but you know, again, uh, this comic con is always, it's read pop that puts it on always very professionally done. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had good security. their Their staff was amazing. Hey, everybody was as nice. As it is. Yes. Yeah. 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 And yeah. Uh, you know, and it, it felt like uh, you, they wanted you to be there, which is kind of cool. And uh, mm-hmm. definitely had a good selection of swag that you could choose from. Now, I do notice, like everywhere else, inflation—the prices of everything—boy, has it gone up? So oh, yeah. definitely yep. budget and make sure that you take that into consideration food on the road was amazingly expensive and
0: really expensive between the gas, the food, the, um, well, just, you know, that kind of stuff, even the, even the fun things that you would buy, you know, everybody's had to jack up the prices Yeah, vendors had to drive there and do the same thing. And they've
1: got to make ends meet. And it's just, just part of it. But just outside of that, always recommend this event and Mm -hmm. it was again a lot of fun we're going to have some interviews coming up for you over the next couple of weeks so you can see what was actually going on there this is user friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is user friendly 2.0. We're going to talk a little tech here. And what we're going to do is talk about wearable technology. Now, this is something that I've always thought was really cool. Uh, you know, I I might tend to be more of the opinion that it's a little easier to deal with if it's implanted. But for right now to wear it, you know, if we have to go there, it's a good intermediary step. And I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of uh, pushback on that
0: comment. Yeah, but, but yeah, the guy, because the, the guy who there's a guy who was on TV this morning. He owns a Tesla, and and he kept losing his keys, so he had the fob inserted into the back of his hand.
1: Huh. So That's, I uh... mean, he's he's literally wearing his tech all the time. Yeah. I guess <laughs> I guess that would be a way to do it. You know, for anybody that loses their keys.
0: Um,
1: mm, <laughs> you yeah. Know, so now I would think if you're going to do that, get something that you can at least program, so it could do a little more than that. And in this list, there's some. So, you know, so to just kind of jump right into this, we've talked to about tech in the past, but this is really something that's coming up. But some of the devices that we've had for a long time, smartwatches and fitness trackers, and there's nothing mm-hmm. new to these, but they keep getting smarter. And there's a lot of new products on the market right now. And one of the things that's really cool about this is we're going in the direction of for anybody that may have medical issues or that type of a thing, being able to get something that actually can call for help if something bad happens, like if a senior takes a fall or something of that nature. And these have already been credited as saving some lives. Cool. Cost is coming down on them and that type of a thing, and we're seeing all about it. But some of the other stuff that's coming out, smart earphones. Now, we've had these on the market for a little bit of time now, but we're really kind of stepping this up, not only having access to your uh, smart speakers and that type of a thing, but very specific applications. One product is the Bose Smart Buds 2 earphones. Now you don't listen through music; they help you fall asleep faster, and they actually seem to work. Really? So using tech and these type of things much much better than taking a pill like Ambien. And um, okay, so dumb question: How does it make you fall asleep? What they do is they use sounds. From the Bose Sleep app, in this case, and these type of products, I mean, if it wasn't Bose, it would be a different app, most likely. Uh But it's something where they've done research. Now, Bose is big into the idea of research on sound. They always have been. They have some Mm -hmm. of the best products out there. They're also one of the big reasons why our speakers are no longer towers, you know, things like that. So this is something that they've come up with that actually I can attest to personally does work very well. And you do hear something when you use them. I mean, it's not like it's quiet or it's, it's invisible or anything like that, but it does relax you. You know, we can go into the technical details of it if we wanted to go to the medical side of it, if you want, look that up. But at the end of the day, I really liked them. I thought it was really cool. Oh, you tried them? I have a set. Yeah, yeah.
0: Oh wow. Cool. And
1: uh so Are they know, comfortable in your ear and everything? Yeah, uh it took a little getting used to, but not as bad as the CPAP machine. So <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I can't wear um yeah, when you were snoring and we'd go on
1: trips, I'd have to try and put
0: earplugs in, and I can't do that cuz it hurts. So it's well, just CPAP's curious a
1: example of amazing tech for that. But yeah, the uh, yeah. these uh but these, these buds don't fall, hurt? No, like, oh,
0: they well. don't hurt.
1: They don't hurt. Cool. So <laughs> They're designed for that. Another one is smart glasses. Now, Google Glass was out a number of years ago. It wasn't really a success. They still use it in the commercial environment, but we're starting to see some other things come out. It, I, I think this is still pretty limited. I think we're a few years away from a commercial product like this that's a true on HUD, if you want to call it that. But at the end of the day, getting augmented reality in there. Yeah, we're starting to see it. Bose makes frames. Uh, they call it the Audio AR sunglasses. Mm-hmm. TCL is another product that has a pair of glasses like this. I'd wait a little while on that unless you want to be an early adopter. I mean, they're kind of fun to play with, but they are quite expensive. You're going to drop in some cases a grand to get one. Wow. So, you know, from that standpoint. Now, another mm-hmm. item that makes an entry this year is the idea of smart clothing. Okay. And this, uh, uh Are this smart is...
0: choices or, 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 or just, you know, well, that depends on one's, uh,
1: <laughs> cause I've seen but, some people wear some dumb clothes, <laughs> you know, you can, yeah, I, well, I've seen some, but that's a whole nother topic right now, but, uh, <laughs> but for things like, uh, like what we're doing here, they make smart clothings with the microphone built in oh, wow. and, you know, things like that, um, gesture control of a phone you know again early adopter stuff I, th- I think that we have a ways to go on some of these things but we are starting to see it out there the other thing that would be kind of cool is the actual full on hud display but i think this is really in the beginning we've we've seen some products microsoft has one that they're actually discontinuing they're starting but they're not quite there yet but it is definitely something to check out and we'll keep on top of it this is user friendly 2.0 we'll be back after the break Welcome back. This is User-Friendly 2.0. Our guest today is Charles Cormier. Charles traveled the world with his wife while building the fastest growing startup ecosystem in the world. A sales guy at heart, Charles nowadays obsesses over finding product market fit through cold email. Charles, welcome to the show. Thank you. Nice being here. So that was a bit of a blurb. Why don't you tell us a little bit more in detail about what you do?
2: Yeah, I did a bunch of things over the years. Serial entrepreneur, had a supplement company, Nootropic for the Brain. And I built a bunch of agencies, whether it's a LinkedIn outreach agency, Facebook ads agency. And nowadays I'm doing cold email. I'm still lead gen, if you want, uh, but I focus on B2B, exclusively helping startups to generate a bunch of quality meetings through cold email. So what would be your kind of client. You said
1: startups, so small business, that type of thing. If I wanted to use your services, what specifically would you ask me and what am I looking for?
2: Yeah. So I'd say SaaS, uh, software as a service. Um, yeah. Startups, business coaches, marketing agencies, and some crypto companies, the legit one uh, that is. And if you'd be un- falling under that category, I'd ask you, who do you target? Uh, if you would answer a specific title, for example, a CEO, a founder of a funded business, for example, we can get, go pretty deep in the ideal customer persona, ICP. And then I'd ask you if you've got experience with cold email, how many meetings do you generate on a monthly basis? And from there, I'd see if you're a fit for my program, in which I can generate you a bunch of meetings myself through my agency, right? My team, or I can teach you how to do that. All right, sounds good. Now, just to start really at the beginning of this for some of our listeners, what is a
1: cold email?
2: Cold email is an email that you get from a stranger. Basically, it's not spam. So it's not an email that you send to a million people. It's somewhat personalized, and obviously, it's relevant. Um, Product market fit is always the goal here. So offering a product that is very uh, relevant to uh, a specific audience. So we need to send a relevant offer. Everything's about the offer, which is why I work a lot uh, with the client uh, on that level. Uh, Cold email is first about finding contacts, right? The the right ICP and their name, email, phone number, and so forth. It's about writing great emails as well. It's about getting in the inbox, and it's about A-B testing and doubling down on what works and eliminating what doesn't work so that you can get quality meeting in the end and a paying client.
1: So it sounds like part of what you do as your service is vetting and finding the people to email it. And you said it's not spam. So this is something that sounds like it's a lot more targeted and frankly legit, which is a real yeah. cool thing, you know, you yeah. uh, because the spam stuff is just so over the top. But getting something into an inbox, I could see where that could make that a lot harder for what you're doing to be able to get around all of that. Have you had problems with that? With spam, you mean? With other spammers in the industry or? Oh, yeah, exactly, exactly. I mean, you're setting yourself apart because what you're doing is the real deal. Compared yeah. to just someone sending out a million emails,
2: yeah. Well, from getting customer aspect, it could be harmful for me if like the people just see some of the emails that I send to them and are like, okay, yeah, he's just another spammer. But if normally, you know, my titles they get them to open the email, and then the content of that email is pretty darn good. Uh, so usually, it, it's actually helpful for me. Just that some people have the mindset that, you know, like everything is spam and they don't want anything. My stuff is uh, very different. So yes, sometimes I get with folks that are kind of skeptical, uh, but most people, they recognize my emails as unique. And also as a piece of art, I uh, take a lot of time and effort and energy into writing these great emails. And yeah, it works. So actually, you know, it's actually helpful for my <laughs> competition, quote unquote, you know, they're not doing quite well. And what I tend to produce is, is so different that I get a bunch of customers as a result. And I write for them afterwards. And uh, they get meetings too. You know, it's all about being different in your industry. It's all about being special. If you just do the same as everyone sending these boring emails, here's what I do. Here's what I am. Let's get on a call. You won't get any responses so you need to be creative you need to be artistic you need to a b test check that data and see what works and what doesn't
1: now that sounds absolutely amazing now you use the word art so tell us a little bit more about what 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 you would consider that to be
2: yeah art is creativity it's uh, it's colors it's bringing people into stories uh, that really happened you know not false stories and bringing them to some place generating Emotions, uh, in how you write an email and being like, holy shit, this email is, is very different from what I've read before. And this guy, you know, he's, he's something unique. Even if I don't want his service, I, I still want to speak with him, uh, to see what's up and what it, what it is about. And I get a bunch of people that hop on calls with me on a daily basis just to, to speak with me and see who's, who's the artist behind the, email and i connect with them on linkedin they're subscribed to my newsletters and eventually you know they can buy if they like my content and you know my my brain right now you and i Bill, we didn't knew each other before that com uh you probably had your thoughts about who i am you know we humans we judge a lot um and most of the time it's not accurate but then once you speak to me you realize that oh i'm this this cool dude i add a lot of value to conversations and Oh, maybe I, I would like to give back to Charles one day because he's given to me so much through his content. So that's a, a strategy that I use. And yeah, art and and science, I I merge them both. Probably twenty percent uh, art and eighty percent science because I'm a I'm more of a rational person than a, an artist. Now,
1: I just I, the more you talk about this, the more I'm curious to kind of dig into this a little bit deeper. Now. You mentioned LinkedIn. Do you find that social media helps you in what you do? I mean, it looks like on your website, you do use social media.
2: Yeah. Well, um, I used to own a LinkedIn outreach agency. So we did fairly the same as we did with cold email, just that we did it on LinkedIn. Now we do some LinkedIn outreach uh, for free as part of our new uh, clients. So when they uh, onboard with us, they get this LinkedIn outreach for free. LinkedIn is still very, very good. Um, and I'm Who would have thought, you know, like I'm, um, I'm the general, I won't say Gen Z or Gen Y, I always forget which one is which, but I'm 93, (laughs) you know, so I'm kind of Instagram generation or TikTok, you know, my wife's a lot on TikTok and I was pretty much hating on LinkedIn back in days. I was like, yeah, this is so boring. This is so professional, but uh, now it's my favorite platform. I post a lot of content there, uh, somewhat controversial stuff. Uh, I think it's good stuff. I've always been a contrarian so it's good to publish um good content but also linkedin outreach uh that's highly recommended you can outreach to 20 people per day if you're uh, if you want to connect them from a sales perspective me on on my side i've kind of crossed this this chasm if you want i'm i'm more into connecting with uh people as part of my 6 degrees of separation theory so um, like let's say in 3 years i want to have dinner with jeff bezos so i'll just connect with a bunch of Important people on LinkedIn and eventually get to Jeff, you know? Um, but yeah, like that's also a third strategy. And LinkedIn is, is this amazing platform. Me personally, I've listed pretty much all of my funny experiences on LinkedIn from my first job to what I'm doing today. And yeah, it's pretty cool. They've reworked their UX and all of that. I've also studied the founder of the company, Reed Hoffman, a lot. Love his podcast. You know, that's,
1: I, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to cut you off there because we're just about out of time. How do
2: people find you online? Charles Cormier on LinkedIn, I'll pop first, CharlesCormier.com. All right, sounds good. Thank you for joining us today. We'll be back after
1: the break. Welcome back. This is user-friendly 2.0. Great show this week. I want to talk about something a little more detail. We alluded to it in the news, and Gretchen, I know you mentioned it a little bit earlier, and this is this idea of the Tesla owner implanting the chip. Yeah. So Let's start here. What do you think about the whole idea of implanted technology? Would you be for it, against it? Um, I think it depends on what it is. Um, I don't think I'd want
0: something glowing through my skin and... I can open up my own car door and I, and I can find my keys and things like that. Um, I mean, I can, I, I can see how he's excited about the idea. Mm-hmm. Um, you
1: know, it's just, I think there are a-
0: better uses of, of tech.
1: That's like this, you know, like if you have like some kind of serious handicap or illness, you talk about glowing skin and, you know, speaking of cyberpunk 2077, how did he do this? We didn't need a ripper doc. That's a good thing. But, He did get it injected, kind of like you would do with a chip on an animal. Mm -hmm. And the cost of this to all in was about $400, which all in all really isn't that expensive when you think about it. Yeah. And uh, it just. (laughs) Well, Jeremy and I have a question. What happens when he sells his Tesla and gets a, a new one or or a different car? Well, a chip like this, from the way that I understand it, can be extracted. And uh, so, you would probably have to go through that process. You would either program the new car, if it was able to work from the old chip, which in some cases you can do. It's possible to bring over old key fobs and things. So, conceivably, this would work the same way. Or you would just get a second one injected or extract the first one. So, uh, you know, I guess you could have two. If you had more than one car, you'd have that issue too.
0: Yeah. (laughs) um,
1: Okay. Yeah. You know, and he didn't do one, but two. I mean, you know, take two, they're small, right? So, the other one. (laughs) deals with keeping his crypto wallet with him. So I guess he's not going to lose that health data, that kind of thing. And um, I don't don't know. know. So I think I can honestly, you know, I just, I think I can honestly say that I'm 100% for the idea of implantable tech when it's appropriate to do so. Mm -hmm. I can see where this could be of a huge benefit across the board. Like you say, Gretchen, is this really necessary? But the thing of it is, is, I don't know if he's doing it because it's necessary. I think he's doing it more because I it's cool. I think he's
0: excited about the idea. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, no, I, but for me, I'm a little more practical. <laughs> you know, well, a,
1: there have been stories about scientists uh, for several years now who've implanted RFID chips in their hands so they can, you know, when they go up to their, their office room or whatever, they can wave their hand over the thing and they'll let them in and Uh, access their computer and stuff without having to do all the passwords and whatnot. I mean, it's been years now that they've been doing that. So this isn't really new. It's just, I
0: don't know, a little bit more exciting, maybe. Well, I mean, on the the TV show, they actually showed part of his hand
1: glowing. You could see the little light go off. That's the part, (laughs) that's the part I'd like. So would you do this? Let us know until next week. This is user friendly 2.0, keeping you safe on the cutting edge. User friendly 2.0 copyright 2014 to 2022. User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. All rights reserved. The views and opinions on this show are those of the host, and not necessarily those of the User-Friendly Media Group, Inc. or this station. Music licensed by BMI. Hosting provided by WeirTechnology.com. Podcast available at UserFriendlyNation.com, theanswerportland.com, or anywhere you listen to podcasts.